Hey guys, welcome to the Begging Boardcast, episode number 441. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bring you all the geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that are coming out May 5th, 2021. Wait. Well, something else happens on May 5th. <gasps> oh, it's the day after Star it? Wars Day. Oh, that's which what would is, tie yeah. into yeah. our main topic this week, which is my trade-in policy: Star Wars Tie Fighter. Isn't there something wow. else that happens with Paul on May fifth too? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. As as a little kid, I would bring in a pinata to celebrate my birthday. Hey, hey, I'll I'll drink to that, Paul. Hey, and I'll drink to John's birthday, which was uh just two days ago. Yes. Oh, that, that was that was in the past. Oh, yes, we don't care about that. It was it was yesterday though, Paul. Yeah, but I'll post it now. I'll post it tomorrow, and then therefore it will be two days ago. See how hmm. time machines work? No, I still don't get it. But John, what are you drinking today? And was this uh, a birthday? I am drinking. It it was a birthday beer because when I went to Thin Man to celebrate celebrate my birthday with my mother, I wanted to have this on draft, but they didn't have it on draft, so I bought a four pack, and this is. Lioness, a oak fermented pilsner coming in at 5.5%. And this beer is, it's okay. It's probably, it's good. Um, You're really selling it. <laughs> it's okay. I, it's good. I, I, I was going to say something more to it. Like, oh, like a hot day. This probably would be really good, but it, it would be good. Um, it's a nice drinking beer. There's nothing wrong with it. It got a little bit of bitterness. I would have liked the oak to be maybe turned up a little bit more in it. Um, cause it was aged in oak fermenters. So it's like, oh, it should have like a, a nice, a deeper character, but it is a deeper character Pilsner, but it's missing some of the crispness or the breadiness that I enjoy out of Pilsners for more like kind of a deeper lagery flavor to it it's good it's not exactly what i wanted i don't know if i would have gotten at any kind of oak fermented pilsner what i think i would what my mind expects out of this beer but it is good it is drinkable i have two more cans of this because i gave one can to my mother and uh yeah it's good i like it it's nothing to write home about how would it stack up against the white oak aged uh, from Forty Two North? What's their it's like a, ship? That's their borderline borderline, borderline IPA, which is an yeah. IPA. Yeah, but it's oak aged. Like, does it carry that oak? No, that's it's uh, the Forty Two North would be better. Just okay. like the the oak aged highlight is, you know, you get that woodiness to it. You get that oak to it. Mm-hmm. So this this, this doesn't this is, del- deliver the breadiness or the oakiness. Yeah, it's 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 lacking on the pilsner front, and then it's lacking on the fermented oak fermented front. Hmm. Lacking on two fronts. Somebody help us! Give us a beer that yeah. isn't lacking. Uh, hey, Paul, are you also drinking a beer from Thin Man? I am, and I thought it would be rude if I tossed it to myself. So, uh, yes, I am drinking a beer from both Thin Man and Equilibrium Brewery. They t- teamed up to uh, create 
Equipose. Equipose, which has a bunch of horses on it. Uh, so that's why I'm thinking equestrian, equipose, maybe. Uh, maybe that has to do something with uh, equestrian arts. Uh, this is 8%, and this is a double dry hop, double IPA. And this is, has your galaxy, cashmere, and talus hops. And this is a really easy drinking <laughs> double dry hop IPA. There's nothing like really big or robust about the flavor. I don't know how old this is, and I can't read it because the print is too small, and I am so, so old. No, March 30th. Sorry. I just need to focus my eyes. Yeah, it's really easy drinking. I'm already, you know, we chit-chat before the show, and I'm half more than halfway through this beer right now. Um, it's decent. I'm glad I have three more. It's just one of those crushable double dry hopped IPAs that people look for. Um, it, it is not lacking on any of the fronts. No lacking, no fronts. Uh, Chris, I'm- how are your fronts? My fronts are good. I'm quite pleased with uh, what I picked up. And this is from a brewery that I've seen on my beer shelves over here before, but I've never picked up anything from them. And this is from Orpheus Brewing out of Atlanta, Georgia. And this is their Rainbow Serpent. And this is a 6% sour ale brewed with raspberry, pineapple, lime, and vanilla. And it's a – I don't know if you can see it, but Mm, it's like a a beautiful, like, ruby red grapefruit juice color. Oh, yeah. Um, we just went beer shopping right oh, before. Oh, do you know what that looks like? <laughs> oh. oh. I was like, it's kind of like a light tannish orange, right? Pinkish. Pinkish. Mil- milky, yeah. milky pink? Yeah. Oh. So not tannish uh, orange? No. We it's went okay. beer shopping literally right before I got home and jumped on the podcast. So this hasn't had a chance to chill at all. But I think this had cooled off a little bit. Um, it would be even more refreshing. But it's got a nice, like, Juicy tart to it. I I actually really enjoy this. It's got I'm not, a little bit more lime forward, um, but I'm I'm really digging this. I would probably pick up more stuff from Orpheus just based off of this because uh, I know I can get them here. So look look forward to more from them coming up soon. Maybe on four forty two or four forty three, whenever I wind up getting around to it. But yeah, so so you're saying you want Morpheus. Of Orpheus in your orifice, and that's the show, everybody. Uh, it's been a good. So run. we no longer do a podcast. Uh, Look forward sorry, to everyone. John and I's new show, uh, Movie Fix. <laughs> Everything but Paul, the new the new podcast. <laughs> be pretty good. It would be a good show. I'm not gonna lie. I would listen. But something else that looks like a good show uh, coming out from Netflix, and this is. The Netflix original Sweet Tooth, based off of a DC, I believe it was Vertigo, and they were still doing Vertigo, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Lemire series. And I know we did sit down to read this, like, when it first started coming out. I think we did the first one for a look back, and I couldn't get into it, and from that point on, I never really dug deep. But, Paul, you're the Jeff Lemire fan. Yeah, I picked up a few issues of it, and it felt so much... It started coming out in 2009... And that was like when, um, what's it, McCormack's The Road was a big deal. And there was, you know, and then, when did The Last of Us come out? Uh, the, the video game. I know I was the working at GameStop when about, it came out. So it, it had about, to be somewhere between like 2010 and 2013, maybe? Yeah, so a year later, so when the series was still going on, there seemed to be a big, in the zeitgeist of this, like, 
kid that is important is being uh, looked over by a person that may or may not be their father. <laughs> Paul, I think you're just describing like every piece of fiction ever now. <laughs> In a post-apocalyptic <laughs> world. And that was my problem with Super Sweet Tooth is because, guess what? That's that's a, that's the linchpin. But now that we get to see it, uh, uh, and it was all just dark because it was, you know, monochrome. It was just black and white uh, and when it was the Vertigo series. Done by Jeff Lemire in his very, like, surrealist, very loose, um, inky kind of uh, drawing style. It, it was kind of off-putting. This Netflix, video, you know, series looks big and green, and it's a yeah. world that's, you know... Like when uh, the pandemic first started uh, happening and people were posting like pictures of Buffalo roaming in Buffalo, New York, like nature's healing itself, you know, stuff like that. It's it's basically that. Yeah, there's (laughs) a lot more wonder associated with the trailer for this than I got out of reading the book, because I feel like if that had been conveyed a little bit more in the actual pages of the issues, like maybe I would have kind of latched onto a little bit more because this kind of has like a sense of hope to it that I don't think was conveyed through the artwork. Uh, And that really caught my attention. And I also think, I mean, I only remember reading the first issue. Um, And I remember Paul was liking it in the beginning because he kept buying it and he was reading it. Um, But maybe that wonder comes in later on because I think it's like three three big volumes. It's a good amount of issues. 40 issues. Total, and I didn't make it. I think I got through. I would say it'd be about probably twelve or thirteen issues, maybe. So that first year, where I kept on picking it up, and I was it was okay, and I was enjoying it, and it was different. But then, like, it kind of just started weighing on me. You know? Sure, and I can, I can totally understand that with um, that style of book, but maybe it does get that hope and wonder or maybe the people making the series were like good idea for a story but let's make it better because yeah. um, you know but yeah i thought the trailer looked i thought the trailer looked really good that's one of the reasons i wanted to bring it up why i was floating by about doing the trade the first volume mm-hmm. for the trade and policy yeah because it's been uh, almost 11 years since i read it <laughs> yeah uh, 2009 Ooh. So I was buying it in the issue, so I would have been buying it in 2009. Yeah, it was definitely the, uh, it was definitely, you don't own it on Comixology. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, and John, oh, you like, he likes it. I'm liking this. We'll get to it. John, uh, can I ask about Mortal Kombat? Because I know you watched it. Um, And I do <clears throat> kind of want to watch it. But it watch. feels like one of those drunk movies. Like, I should watch it while drinking and just enjoy it for the spectacle of it. No. No? Oh. Watch watch the original movie. Instead. It's more fun and better. I don't think they understood tone or storytelling in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really bizarre parts where there's dubbed scenes but it's not with the foreign speaking actors it's with the american speaking actors uh i didn't think any of the fight stuff was that great 
anytime they used any of the lines, you know, like finish him or fatality, they just came off really, really cheesy. And this is the thing that really gets me. It's called Ooh, Mortal Kombat. What? What? what I'm, I'm gonna roll it up here. the sleeves for this. It's called Mortal Kombat. Uh-huh. The movie ends before the Mortal Kombat starts. The competition it, does not start, and it has that Super Brother, uh, Super Mario Brothers movie ending where it's like Mario Luigi, you gotta come back with me. This one's got oh, now that we've defeated these people we need to go find more people to fight in mortal Kombat. we need Everybody to find morpheus <laughs> go go find them and then the one guy cole who's not a, a video mortal game Kombat character. character which is so stupid uh he's like i've got to go to la and then he walks past a movie poster just showing like johnny cage's belt buckle mm-hmm. for his new movie and I'm like, I th- sat through this movie for this? You gotta get that franchise money! <clears throat> the only good scenes were the scenes with um, the actor who plays Scorpion and the actor who play Sub-Zero. Because they are martial art trained actors. And even if it is just they're trained in movie martial <laughs> arts... Their fight scenes looked the best. The stuff they did with Sub Zero was the best stuff they did in the movie, and it's all the stuff what, that you. What do you say? It. The stuff they did with Sub Zero was cool. <laughs> Would you say that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and everything that was cool from Sub Zero. Paul, Paul thinks we're joking it. about this being the last episode. <laughs> he, he's laughing. Well, he's no, doubling, I'm trying. He's doubling, no, I'm just he's trying. doubling down. Um, <laughs> Everything they did that was cool, they showed in the trailer. So it's like you, it, there was nothing. How they brought Scorpion out was stupid. Like it, I didn't find anything that entertaining in it. And by when the end hit, I was just like, "That's it. This is what I get." And I don't know. I feel like shame on them. You want to make this the big franchise? You have all these incredible martial arts movies out there, you could have gotten people better to have made this movie for the budget that they had. When Bob Odenkirk, a 50-year-old comedian, is does better martial arts in his action movie than Mortal Kombat, I don't... I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Thank you for getting me all riled up, Paul. You're welcome. I, I really wanted to know, because he sent us like a paragraph, and I'm like... Oh, so it seems like John doesn't like it? Paul, oh, we were on the call 45 minutes before the show. <laughs> <laughs> I could have asked. I'm glad I got it on tape, though. <laughs> Always record. That's what you tell me, John. Always record. What was the other news? I don't know. Uh, Invincible over at Amazon on Amazon oh. Prime, based off of the Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley book uh, from the early 2000s. Uh, picked up for seasons two and three, and I have to say, I haven't seen the last two episodes now. Uh, I absolutely love this cartoon. It's a great adaptation of the comic. Like, they do change stuff up a little bit, but so far it's been a fantastic 
adaptation that's hitting a lot of those same notes. Um, I've talked about it a little bit before on the show, so I'm not going to get too much into it. But yeah, definitely glad they picked this one up. And I think this is something that's deserving of more attention because the comic's just so great. And watching the first like three episodes of the show made me be like, oh man, I need to go back and reread Invincible because it's just such a great comic. And there's like so much to it that I'm looking forward to them really digging into the nitty gritty of it because they nail it. Yeah, this is something I'm looking forward to doing a uh, movie fix with with you. Yep. As, as soon as we're finished recording this, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can clear out the bag and board studio and then set up the movie fix studio. <laughs> I don't remember what else we had though. There wasn't anything. Oh, there was uh, DC Nation. Our DC fandom is coming so, back. Okay, they're doing fandom again. Did they say yep, when it's going to be? Yeah, October 16th, 2021. And there's no real hints or anything about what's going to be announced, at least on uh, the news Rama, which is now owned by Games Radar. Um, yes, I just saw that. I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, they they just had a teaser 14-second sec- second <clears throat> clip that DC Comics posted on Twitter, and all it is is like, hey, we're going to DC Fandom again. So October. Is this going to be two days again? It doesn't even okay. say. Because I will say, it just so happened to be that when they did the first DC fandom this past year, you know, in the in the wake of the pandemic, I just happened to be off that day from work. Yeah. And I just had it open on my computer streaming the whole time. I was like sitting around playing like Warcraft, like I had it on my other monitor, just like getting into it. And yeah, it's not a perfect replacement for going to a comic book convention but i i was there i was watching all those announcements in the trailers and it it was exciting like and i think other companies have tried to do comparable stuff like about a month and a half ago we had blizzcon line which was blizzard's mm-hmm. online version of their annual convention which it just didn't hit that same note even though it's something that they were trying to go for I, I don't know what was lacking from it, but it just didn't feel natural. Where the DC fandom one, it, it worked. Even the stuff that I didn't necessarily care about, like the the Titans panel based on the live action show. I've never watched an episode of that, but seeing the stuff that they had coming up for, I think it was season three, I was like, oh, this, this looks great. And it piqued my interest. So uh, whenever this is, I'm... I might see if I can just get that day off, because you know what? I I had fun yeah. with the first one. October 16th. But, 16th. yeah, uh, hey, I don't know if I would... Best birthday week. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, I had that first one streaming for a little bit while I like was vacuuming and cleaning up the house, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing horrible about this, but, you know, because normally when I'm doing that kind of stuff now, anyways, I'm usually caught up with my podcasts because I listen to that while I'm either running... Uh, and once I get outside or while I'm working. So Twitch then fills that role of like mm. being my company while I'm doing that, you know, housework kind of stuff where you don't want to be alone with your thoughts because being alone with your thoughts is very depressing. <laughs> so, you know, so you listen to, you know, you're, you listen to somebody talking on either a podcast or Twitch. And yeah, DC fandom kind of filled that void for me for that one day. And it was okay. It was, I like the whole, uh, Batman Beyond 
people picking up the signal from Batman 66. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the little like, interstitials they had were fun. Like, stuff yeah. was good. Yeah, they did a great... That was great, and I, would, I wouldn't mind it if it was just like, hey, we got like five hours worth of content that we're just going to replay over and over again for a whole two days, because then I could tune in whenever and just like get you know my little fix uh kind of like how i was doing with the gigo youtube page uh at the start of the pandemic when hasbro decided to just put on youtube the first like four miniseries of gi joe and they would just play one episode after another so if you went there you would just watch whatever episode was playing at that time and when the pandemic started and I just needed content, I'm like, this is perfect. Whatever episode. And I must have watched the same, like, three episodes, like, five different times. Nope. That was like me and my childhood. Different episodes. Like, they're <laughs> just different. This reused the same animation. Yep. Probably. That was fun, you know? And so if DC Fandom is just that, I'd be happy. But you know what would make me even happier? Hmm. Opening up another beer. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm John gonna. I have the same beer. I, I don't know. Okay. So I'm gonna start this one off because I have something a little bit different. Because when I was beer shopping, I was just looking for something else to grab because I grabbed a lot of IPAs for today. So I was like, I just I need something fruitier. I need maybe something a little bit sweeter. Uh, and then of course I grabbed another IPA. Uh, but this <laughs> is special because this is a black IPA. This is Liquid Vinyl from Broken Strings Brewery. And I hadn't heard about them before. So I just looked on the side of the can and it says, okay, this is actually brewed and canned by Sun Creek Brewery in Claremont, Florida for Broken Springs Brewery. So I'm like, oh, interesting. So I looked them up and they're literally five miles away from my apartment and I haven't heard of them before, but they are a music-inspired craft brewery. And... I'm very intrigued now, especially because we're suckers for a good black IPA, and this has it. It's not a style that a lot of places make anymore, but I'm glad that Broken Springs has done that. Hey, you have it. I'm jealous. I have a black yeah. I mean, I, I have a black IPA, but I'm excited for you guys <laughs> to talk about that one. Um, John, whenever we work out some like trip stuff... Like this, this might be a place that you know we're able to swing by because I definitely want to check it out, especially because it's 14 minutes away from me, and I literally yeah. didn't know about it until I just picked up this can because I happened to see Black IPA on the label. I think it's on. I have that um, Florida doc that I shared with you guys. Anytime we go visit down there, I always add different breweries and stuff like that, and I think it's on there. I think at the I time, can right now. I think at the time it wasn't. It didn't have a lot of great reviews, and we were just trying to handpick like places to go that yeah. we knew. It's on there. Yeah, it's on there. Broken strings. I, yep. I I know. I knew the. I knew the name. Ten Twelve um, West Church Street, Orlando, Florida. Yep. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I'm I'm down for anything. Yes. I think. Uh, I'm excited. So I'm assuming they're probably not too big if they have another Florida brewery brewing stuff for them. Um, they might not have a lot of resources available, but it's something I'm going to you know, look into more and report back. Maybe I'll have more from them coming up. 442. Yeah. 
443 uh, BC. And they might just be so small that they don't have their own canning line. So basically yeah. they're having them do it so they can can it for them. But yeah. Um, Paul, what do we what do we have what are we drinking together? Oh man, we're day burning this up. Uh this is from Big Ditch Breweries. Their big flagship beer is called Hayburner, which is an IPA. It um, is the best selling craft beer in Buffalo. And they label it, I believe, as an American IPA. American IPA. Uh and this is their uh, refreshing IPA called Dayburner, and uh, this is, I was trying to look it up the uh, ABV, uh, but I didn't see it. Oh, there it is. 4.9. So, still, still, it, it isn't a low ABV at that point. I, it seems like they went 4.9 just to, so they couldn't, didn't say 5. You know, they're, tr- in, when I picked it up and I saw Dayburner, I'm like, oh, this is probably a 4.0 to see that it's 5%. Like, a little disappointed in it, but I'm not disappointed in the flavor. I was like, ooh, big malt. Uh, Yeah, it's got a really nice, refreshing, kind of lemony pop to it. I don't know if I get the malt that you're getting. At the aftertaste, man. It's like cereal. There's a cereal-y kind of aftertaste. Okay, and then it... And then that citrus kind of bump mm-hmm. pops in. Um, no, this is my second can of it. It this is their seasonal right now. Um, last year it was super super limited release, um, but no, this beer has been going great. Like it's been flying off the shelves. They've needed this. Mm-hmm. I think um, you know. Hayburner has been such a huge hit for them. This is a great refreshing bit. And Hayburner coming in at 7%. I mean, you drink one or two of those, they get you they get you it, there. It pretty doesn't fast. drink like something that's 7%. Yeah, like, that's know. a really easy drinking beer. I didn't know it was 7%. I was like I was thinking maybe 6. And that's why I was kind of disappointed that this was basically 5. I'm like Guys, do you know how to do a low ABV? (laughs) Paul, what do you think uh, all-day IPA is? I think that's, uh, isn't that 4.5? 4.7. 4.7, okay. So I'm 2% off of that, and (laughs) I'm apparently 2% off on this. I I think this is just a, this is a perfect summer beer. I think this is going to be around for a while for them. And I know speaking with them, they're, once, once the new brewery is built, which should be at the end of, uh, I think, 2022, everything got a little postponed because mm-hmm. of uh, COVID. But they're planning on having like a hay, like a hay burner variety pack where you mm. get day burner, you get hay burner, you get maybe another dry hopped or uh, Bunsen they, burner, Bunsen burner. But they've done a they've done a was it a grapefruit? Um, I think they did a grapefruit hay burner. Like the thought process is to be, start branding hay burner and having different flavors of it. To I'm just saying, these packs. If they're going to do a variety pack, one of them better be named Bunsen burner because that's a great name for a beer. Uh, I heard they're actually going to call it Gone Fission. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like Bunsen burner, could be like their experimental IPA style. And then Afterburner could be their black IPA style. 
See, I would think Bunsen Burner would be a good black IPA name. Okay. Okay. As uh, long is- as I get it in the variety pack and it's called Bunsen Burner, I don't care what it is, man. <laughs> um, but this, I mean, it is it is really, really crushable. I, I mean, you probably heard me crack this open on the show and I've slowed myself down from drinking it because it just, like, it's a good gulping beer. Mm-hmm. Like, you just can take a huge slug... You swallow it, and you're like, yeah, going for another one. And that's a small can, too. That's sad, because then you're like, oh, I, I'm going to open up another one. <laughs> like, it's a 12-ounce, but like, this is something I would have no problem bringing the six-pack to a party. And when we leave the party, my wife going like, don't you need to grab your beer? And being like, nah, I drank them all. Like, I'm <laughs> good with that. Yeah. No, I could see myself drinking the whole thing at a party. And... uh yeah, it's big. You're right, John. It is big lemon up front. I do think it finishes a little bit with that citrus, but I do get some cereal on it. I get yeah, I, I get your cereal. Okay, I get it there. It's definitely um, a roast kind of. It coats the palate at the end, and it's one of those thing nice things that make you want to take that next big sip. Yeah, it, it's definitely not one of those low low ABV like ghosty kind of like. I'm drinking it. It has a nice flavor, and then it's gone. It it definitely has a big linger. So I'm appreciating. If you are gonna put, if you're gonna put session beers up on flavor, I would say definitely Billy 18 Watt from um, Single Cut would be my number one. And I think for like, this would be my number two, and maybe yeah, like but- all day number three. Uh, I can't even think of any other session beers that would be, you know, ones that the, you would those harpoon series. Yeah, directly, those, all of those were great. Yeah, the, that rec league, uh, whatever, the dry hopped, the dry hopped uh, pilsner. The mm-hmm. the worst one in it was their session IPA, but everything yeah. else, the sessions uh, saison, the black yeah. IPA, everything was great in that. Yeah. Those were all knockout. Like I would put those up there too. Like that that changed that changed my mind on Harpoon. Where I'm like, I, I used to look at Harpoon and be like, ah, kind of like how we got with uh, Magic Hat. We're like, okay, cool. They have a new beer. Do I need to try it? Eh, probably not. Harpoon. Now I'm like, ooh, new beer from Harpoon. I might have to try that. Yeah. Oh, um, Paul. As exciting as it is to hear you talk about new beers, I want to hear you talk about some new comic books that you got coming out May 5th, 2020. Guys, May 5th, day after Star Wars Day. Is there any other book that you can pick other than Star Wars? War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha, number one. That's right. It's a Star Wars comic book event that you've been waiting for. Boba Fett has Han Solo frozen in carbonite. All he needs to do is get it to Jabba's Palace. Easy, right? Wrong. Because this starts off the War of the Bounty Hunters. And I guess I did basically read that from the the solicitation. But hey. I would not have known that if you hadn't said it. (laughs) It's written by Charles Soule. And guess what? (laughs) Cool. I'm glad I sold it. Written by Charles Soule, who's also writing a a bunch of work for Star Wars uh, The High Republic. And art by one of our all-time favorites, Steve the Canadian McNiven. Mm. 
So uh, I'm, I'm excited for this book. I didn't think I would be, but then when I read what it's actually about, which is Boba Fett just trying to get Han Solo to Jabba's palace, I'm like, okay, okay, that seems cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is no, because War the, of the Bounty Hunters. War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. <laughs> Don't ask me why there's Alpha in there. Uh, it's kind of like Street Fighter. Sometimes you just have to differentiate it from everything else that came before. So you call it Alpha this, or Super. Oh, you this know is, why? Because it's a prelude issue. <laughs> oh, that's uh, okay. This and is then, the, the book that one. I said, Paul, what are you getting? And he said this book, and I was like, all right, you can have it. Because this was the book I would have picked. Um, because of Steve McNiven, because of Charles Soule, because of the story that's being told. Uh, but instead, I had to go with a great standby, and that is Firepower, number 11, Robert Kirkman, Chris Omni. We're, we're starting to wrap it up, and uh, I'm still really, really uh, enjoying this book. Um uh, it's been a lot of fun, and the characters, everything has been great out of... I mean, the books look great because of Chris Nami's art. Robert Kirkman can tell some really great stories, and this has been continuing on that fact that he tells really good character stories. Um, you know, Chris mentioned Invincible, which is... A, a great one that he's done. There's a lot of good moments in, in Walking Dead. And, uh, I mean, I mean, we all love Battle Pope, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From the time that I read it, like, 20 years ago now, I think. I don't yeah, remember yeah, much probably, of it. Pretty, pretty much. So, uh, complete. All I have to say about Jesus is in Battle Pope. That's all uh, I have. Complete sidebar before I get to my book. I've been kind of going through and purging some of my wardrobe because I have a lot of t-shirts that are just really old like they're starting to shrink so I'll put a t-shirt on and be like nope too tight or nope too short and like one of them I had was my green lantern but it's like the Kyle Rayner shirt but it was after he had the ion powers and became like the green lantern like again with the dog collar like the kind of like square, mm-hmm. like center logo. And I looked at the like copyright date on it or the trademark date. And it was 2002. And it's like, <laughs> oh, geez. That was like just like a couple of years back though, right? I, I feel like I remember it just being a couple of years back. But then yeah. I remember it's like, no, I bought this shirt hanging off the wall at the comic book shop that we used to go to in Buffalo. Like this wasn't even something that I you know, picked up at a pop culture store at a convention. Like I literally like saw this hanging on the wall, like still in the plastic held up by thumbtacks. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'll take the green lantern shirt. Yeah, two th- anything in the t- shirt for almost. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately with me, with t- my, my lifespan now, anything, when you start to sent- start with the year with 2000, it doesn't matter what year you throw after that 2000 and, it was either yesterday or like 10 years ago. And it, it's no, now, now it can be 20 years none ago. Of those. Yeah. It's scary, but uh, it, but now going through those shirts, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to need to get all the lantern core shirts again. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Which brings me to my pick for the list, and this is actually going to be Green Lantern number two, written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Dexter Soy. Uh, Green Lantern's back, baby! Uh, This is picking up after the Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp run, which I did not like, but this is more of that big core-based book. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because we'll actually be talking about Green Lantern number one when we do our monthly look back for April 2020. So uh, look forward to that, especially because they're bringing in some of those ancillary lanterns that pop up in other stuff. Kind of just bringing them into the fold now. Uh, so whole bunch of Teen Lantern coming at you from Young Justice, Ooh. which after reading the Young Justice trade, because I picked it up when it was on sale, and now having read the first issue of Green Lantern, I'm I'm a fan. Say that. Nice. Can I just say about my t-shirts, what I do is I have two bins that I have stored up on the top shelf of my uh, closet, and I rotate. So, like, basically twice a year, you know, my summer wardrobe versus my winter wardrobe. Because we have season, what's known as seasons here in Buffalo, Chris. Um, cold weather, mild weather, hot weather, you know, and then mild and then cold weather again. Um, so I rotate basically twice a year. And if I don't wear that T-shirt within those two seasons, then it gets donated. Like if it makes a two, you know, those a two cycle, like where I don't take it out of the bin, that's when I knock it out. Then it's been pretty good for me i've been uh slowly working out those shirts without having a big old pile at the end of the year or whenever i go through it well paul you know what else you're gonna have to go through whoa 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 whoa! i get new shirts i get rid of old shirts sometimes i keep them sometimes i get rid of them you you new in new out you got a one in one out kind of policy yeah i got a lot of t-shirts i've gotten a lot of gotten rid of a lot of t-shirts and now, a dramatic reading from Young Justice, Volume 1, Gem World, page 83, panel 2. Actually, no. I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to, you're, uh, all are, you're, you're going to hear the rest of. That was a dramatic reading from Young Justice. Volume 1, Gem World, page 83, panel 2. Word for word. <laughs> a lot of pauses put into it. Uh, there were a lot of pauses written in it. <laughs> Look at that word balloon. There's a lot of dashes. You gotta, you gotta enunciate those. Just like in music, you gotta play the rest. And uh, just like drinking, you gotta taste each note. Taste the notes that aren't there. Um, it's like jazz. And Paul, what, Paul, what notes? Paul, what notes are you tasting? I haven't even opened my beer yet. <laughs> it's open. I can tell that it's open. I just opened. You haven't it taken now. a sip. I haven't taken a sip. Why'd you so lie? Ahead, You're on camera. Yeah, I can see it. It's like when he lied to his barber. I'm drinking the, from Community <laughs> Beer Works, the beer that's St. Galantis. It's a dark IPA. And it is uh, employee concept beer exclamation point uh, by Dave Gitzerch, area sales manager. 
I was looking for the I was ABV. just talking to him today before I left work. Hey, uh, did you see if he can get this beer for me? I got this beer for you. Oh, did you? Ooh. Yeah. I just haven't oh, said okay. beer. And then when uh, my wife my wife and I are talking about uh, sending me down there to visit you, I was like, well, I can just bring all that beer to Chris <laughs> right back and not send it to him. Yeah, save money on shipping. This is 7.8% alcohol by volume. Uh, and, man, it's nice IP up front. And, ooh, boy, does it smooth into a nice, dark, rich, malty finish. I can see why you really enjoy this beer, John. This is this is what you want a, a black, dark IPA to be. Why is it called a black IPA? Why is it a dark IPA? Anyways, doesn't matter. Does it say, it's like, a, uh, was it Cascadian? IPA. Ooh. Cascade. Yeah, it might have been because it's a Cascadian Dark Ale, which was what the label for black IPAs were. So maybe that's why they call it a dark versus a black. Maybe they thought using black was inappropriate. I don't know, inappropriate, but might set some people off. Oh, I don't want a black IPA. I don't know what a black IPA is, but a dark IPA might change their mind. I it's roasty and delicious. Why would you know? What? What that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, know because I'm not seeing the it, on the can. It's not listing what uh, hops were used, but man, it is just nice citrus up front, which is different than the other black IPAs that we used to have, which were kind of a little bit more piney. You know, the old school IPAs that we. First but see, I like. Yeah. I don't mind that piney because it's so balanced out by that roastiness that yeah. usually I'd be fine with it. This is yeah, like, but you haven't you haven't had it with the citrus. Mm, true, it yeah. really works. Imagine a chocolate dipped mandarin orange, Chris. Ooh, yum, 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 yum. That's just and that, then dial it back to sweetness because it isn't you know it isn't a sugary desserty beer, and that's what you get with the beer that sank Atlantis. Like it's that mandarin orangey kind of citrusy, and then followed up by that dark rich malty dark you know beer style and it's it's man am i happy i know to have it's, three more of these and or just one more of these and send two to chris <laughs> I don't um know. it's really it's it's a really well balanced beer and um it i was talking to paul off show while chris was waiting for his pizza to come that still hasn't come which still hasn't still hasn't. But we were talking a lot about local breweries and i said like Community Barracks right now are like they're focused on making the right beer for the right season and like trying to really perfect that beer. You know, they made a really good scotch ale. They made this really good black IPA and they put that black IPA out in March, you know, like the weather's turning, having that citrus with that dark beer is like a really nice turn. They put out the the double bock going into going into Easter, like beginning of April, late March, they just put out that Scotch ale. They put out a Porter. Like they're not just IPA, 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 this, 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 like they're like, okay, we're going to do a really nice style and we're going to try to get it just right. And for the most part, I feel like they've been nailing those, those flavors. Um, they've been getting out of it. Paul, try, I mean, if you can find this scotch ale, like, I think you might really enjoy their scotch that they just put out. I do, I do enjoy scotch ale. John, uh, what are I you enjoying know. right now? 
Because Chris is not enjoying pizza. No, I am not. I am and he also, should be. I am also enjoying a beer from Buffalo, and this is from Big Ditch Brewery. This is number 12 in their lock series. This is called Spray. This is a single hopped um, IPA. They're using Strata hops, and you get this really nice kind of like pear, leche, fruit um, to it. Super, super easy drinking. Great flavor to it. It's just a, it's a really it's a really nice drinking beer. And um, I was trying to find out what percentage it is. I do have it on my phone right here. Hold on, boys. Six point three percent. So I've been doing pretty good. I've been a very low percentage boy this week, and. Uh, it's nice. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's nice. Chris, you got a beer? Yeah, I'll mine it. I do. All of mine have been around like 6 to 7%. Uh, this one's sitting at 7.3%, and this is Thunder Funk from Bentwater Brewing out of Lynn, Massachusetts. Uh, and this is a West Coast-style IPA uh, with Mosaic, Simcoe, Amarillo, and Columbus hops. And... I'm not a West Coast IPA fan. The only reason I grabbed this is because I also picked up a New England-style IPA from them. So I thought, oh, you know, I'll do the two side-by-side. This is an okay IPA. Uh, I don't get a lot of what I expect out of a West Coast IPA. I'm not getting that aggressive, piney hop profile that I usually get. Um, But this is fine. It's not bad. It's it's drinkable. I'm looking forward to the East Coast one a little bit more, but yeah, not not bad, not great. It, it's a IPA. So you got Massachusetts. I got Massachusetts. But that's going to head us into our main topic, which Paul, this is a a Paul baby. Yeah, well, it's not really a Paul baby so much as a trade-in policy. That's right. We're bringing you Star Wars. TIE Fighter, Volume 1, written by, and I was stalling as I was opening up the info, uh, written by Judy Hauser, art by a whole cavalcade of artists, because it seemed like they switched artists every issue, so I'm not going to read them all now. Uh, But this is basically collecting, what, issues 1 through 6 of the first, 1 through 5 of Star Wars TIE Fighter. And this is following uh, Squadron 5, a.k.a. Shadow Wing uh, during after the events of uh, New Hope and right before leading up into the uh, events of uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, basically, it starts off with hey, the war is going to be over pretty soon. So this is happening right before Return of the Jedi. And everybody, and these pilots in uh, Squadron 5 Shadow Wing are like, oh, what does this mean? Why is, there's all these rumors that the Emperor has a plan, the Rebellion's going to be crushed soon, any day now, and it's basically his, you know, the Emperor's plan for the, uh, setting the trap of, like, hey, Rebels attack the Death Star, and we're going to blow y'all to smithereens. And, uh, spoilers, going forward here, <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> And this trade ends with 
the squadron, the Shadow Wing, realizing that the Emperor is now dead, that the, the second Death Star has been destroyed, and maybe this war isn't as over as they thought, or maybe it's over in a different way. But is it the end? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, a little because it was. <laughs> this book came out in 2019, and they have no, they haven't had a follow. Um. No, the end question mark was like at the end of all the individual like backstories of the pilots. No, it's like that the, main page like, before they talked pilot. about the thing. Oh, it says the end, and then it goes into the secondary story about the the leader of the squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's oh. that, that's the book. <laughs> Um, this book had ups and downs for me. The first issue, uh, I was like, ugh. And then when the second issue started, I was like, hey, I kind of like where this is going. And then from their escape on, it was down again. I didn't care mm-hmm. about any of the characters in here. And, like, even with having those backup issues or the backup stories, especially with the the first two characters who then are the first two to die in the book, like, I didn't... Those didn't help me want to be like, no, not her! Uh, I wanted to like this book a lot more than I did. But I also wanted a lot more TIE fighter battle stuff. Which is hard to do in a comic book. I understand that. But also, like, if it was those TIE fighter guys leading a cool rebellion against that admiral who took over the... Grandma? uh, No, but who took over the mining facility with his star Mm -hmm. in, like... If that was the rest of this book, I think it would have been more interesting than, like, the guy who is so in love, whose love blew up, is then, like, broody, and then you got the new recruits, and you have that moment where, like, man, I should have, like, I should have been better, that guy blew up, blah, 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 and then it's like, hey, use it as a learning curve, like, take that moment. Don't let it happen again. And then it was like, the Emperor's dead. Book over. And I was just like, why didn't we even have those moments? <laughs> Especially if there's nothing else following this book. And I also stopped reading the backup story. There, so there, I was like, I do not fucking care about these characters. Well, I think the backup story was more just to give you like some frame of reference on who they are. Because you're seeing so much of them just interacting with each other uh, and they're just doing pilot stuff that it I still can't tell you any of these characters names one of them was named like Zin I think yep Zin is the uh, it doesn't doesn't matter who they are because they're they're all just kind of pilots and I wanted to like this book because again like John said there's ups and there's downs to it where there was stuff that I really enjoyed because all while it's kind of building you're seeing all of these different pilots in this squadron kind of coming to grips with who they are 
on this team. And you're seeing people wrestle with the fact that, no, maybe they are just using us to fill seats in cockpits and then whatever happens to us doesn't matter. They don't care about us. Uh, and then you're seeing someone who's considering defecting to the rebellion. And there's good enough hooks for this, but I I don't know if there's enough differentiation between all of these characters that made me care about any of them. Because there, there's cool stuff there. Like the pilot whose grandmother was like, oh, it's all the Republic. It's the same thing. Like people are going to come to power. They're going to pass it on. Like it doesn't have anything to do with us. Like we can say what we want. Ganups. Ganups. Yeah. And this is the guy like who keeps referring to the empire as the Republic. And you know, his, his lady boo things like, Oh, like you can't say that people are going to hear it. Was that Zinn? Zinn was, yeah. Um, So there's, there's some good stuff to this book that I liked seeing the weight that this war is kind of taking on these people who, you know, are on the right side of the war. You know, that's their mentality. And just seeing how mm-hmm. they kind of justify it and how, like, they rectify it in the face of everything and just kind of how it all comes crashing down around them. But like John said, it comes crashing down around them at the very last, like two pages of the last issue of this book. So you don't get to see any of that fallout, which I think would be the most interesting part of this the story. The setup for these characters and then what these characters do after the fall of the Empire. Way more interesting. Every kind of like that first issue is set up and then they leave to go. To, it, this first issue is introducing those characters. That second issue is those guys on a mission. And it's I, the beginning of that issue is really good. But then it's like, yada, 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 they escape and they got away. You know, like, hey, we have this, uh, we have this dogfight. Oh, the emperor's killed. Yada, yada, yada. End of the series. Like, it would have, there was more interesting ways they could have, like, told this, the story of these characters. And... I would have loved, like, I would have liked more, even though they weren't flying in planes, of them escaping and helping to fight and why some of those stormtroopers would turn on that admiral. Like, it I, it just felt like it was just like the cliff notes of these stories. Um, I think the art looked great for the main story of this book. Everything like popped. It looked beautiful. Um, but yeah, I just, did you like the, for the art? I want to ask this. Did you like the weird, like in helmet reaction? Yes. Because that kind of, I, I, I will agree. I like that too, because otherwise you're just going to be looking at a helmet and be like, who's, who's this character? And they would have to kind of fall onto the, like Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels thing, where like they're putting different insignias and stuff on the helmets, which mm-hmm. is a good way to differentiate between people. But I feel like this seems more personal. Yeah, what they did with the art is they made the helmets basically in those panels translucent, so you saw the you know facial reactions. I wasn't in love with it, but I don't know what else he could have done. 
other than maybe show the helmet and also then have another like little like the, corner the you know, spider the, top right the spider-man oh, the person spider-man reaction. mask with the spider sense going off in peter's face mask i yeah something like that or i had no problem because if especially yeah. in the beginning of the book they don't really do that and they're just in those black helmets and that's when you don't mm-hmm. really know the characters but then once you know the characters for the most part, like Chris, I don't, I don't know any of these characters' names. Um, no. But to do that, I could go, oh, that's the bald guy with the, the, that's the blonde chick, that's the Asian girl, that's the black guy, that's the the captain with the goofy goatee, like Rush, Rush. I, yeah, it, was that his name? <laughs> his last name, his name is Tesso Rush. I think I think this book would have been better if they gave it more time to introduce these characters, to mm-hmm. tell the story. If everything happened not like the cliff notes to this these characters' stories, but let these characters' stories draw out and get explained a little bit better. Everything ver- seemed very forced. The the relationship between the, the the two characters who were in love, like when she blew up, I went back a couple panels. Like, oh, is that the chick? Because at first I thought it was him that exploded, and then I was like, he he got yeah. nicked, and then he's like, I don't know if I can make it, and then she like makes sure she draw drops back. Yeah, I had to, to cover yeah. him. Yeah, I went back. And then I had she to go has, back. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden I saw him and I was like, wait, I thought he blew up. Oh, wait. And then I was like, oh, okay, she died. But their relationship didn't, didn't, ma- like, it didn't matter because it didn't, you didn't get to spend enough time with them actually having a relationship versus you being told that they have a relationship. Like, it was ham fisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, like, Paul, this book was a breeze to read. It was. It read really quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just saying, like, um, I wasn't. I sat down and I read the whole thing on my yeah, me too. Break today, mm-hmm. which is normally an hour, but I had some stuff to take care of, so I had maybe like forty-five minutes, and I was like, "Oh gosh, I'm not going to finish this." And I'm like, "Oh no, like I'm fine, I'm good." Like, and I ended with still like ten I, minutes left. I read this during a blood donation on uh, on Tuesday. I read the first issue back in the day. I might have read the second issue as well when it first came out. And then I, you know, just because I'm a bad comic book reader, I didn't pick up the rest of them. But there was enough there that I was interested in it. I did pick up, because this is a comic book tie-in to a book series that is currently being released by Del Rey Books called uh, Alpha Squadron. And you'll see in this trade they do, like, the alternative covers. Yeah. And there's one character that gets right, that they actually talk to, and I'm forgetting her name right now. That's okay. We that don't remember in, any of the names. That's in uh, Alpha Squadron, the the book series. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a good story if you were playing a Tie Fighter video game. Like I think there's enough that you know it's like that amount. Like when I when we saw that Zin was like, oh maybe she's coordinating with the rebels, and then she dies, and then like, oh yeah, ISB was like 
tracking her communication. So we knew she was a re- she could have been a rebel spy. And everybody's like, well, she could have been spying because of this. She could have been spying because of that. I'm like, oh, those would have been great stories. <laughs> so I, this is, but this is where I circle like back because I feel like I yeah. did come off as negative. But ultimately, I think I did enjoy this book because I might not have had enough getting to know those characters. But I think there was an intriguing enough story here that I cared because the very first thing I thought when I started reading this is how are they going to make me care about the people that I think and no are the bad guys in the Star Space Wars Space Nazis like how yeah. how are you going to sell me this book and I think they did a good enough job and there was moments that it reminded me of Mandalorian season 2 with uh, Migs Mayfield, where like you're seeing like that anger, like no, they treat us like pawns, like they don't care about us. We're boots on the ground, we're helmets in the air, like that's what it is. And you have that moment where one of the pilots actually confronts like his commanding officer with some contraband liquor, and he's like, "Oh, I- I'm trying to remember like the complete interplay, but they're kind of dancing around the fact that it's like, no, I hear you're the kind of officer that's." going to save themselves and put everybody else in front of the gun to mm-hmm. get away. And it's like, well, if I was that kind of person, I I wouldn't be that kind of person. It's like, I liked those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's glimmers in this book that I did enjoy. I, it kind of just made me want to know more about the world that this is taking place in because having just not, still in the middle of reading it, out of the High Republic, because that's the last Star Wars thing mm-hmm. that I've read, and the High Republic comic books. They got me. They grabbed my interest based in a time of Star Wars that we really don't know too much about, and we really don't have anything to care about. And this book starts off in kind of like a weird nebulous space, because I didn't know when it was taking place. And I had to look at the issue info on Comixology to be like, oh, it's post-Battle of Hoth, so the Empire just had their big win over the Rebellion, uh, and now they're kind of closing that gap. And you do get some lead-up to that before you're told, like, oh yeah, we got them on the run. They destroyed the first Death Star, so you're like, alright, I'm putting it together. And then literally at the very end, it's like, oh, they blew up the second Death Star, Emperor Palpatine's presumed dead. And it's like, okay, well, now I know exactly when this takes place. Because before that, this book could have really taken place anywhere. Because it's those those get-up-and-go pilots. You've got two cadets fresh off off of training who get kind of shuttled in because they've got an opening in the the 204 now. And also there's a tie-in to the solo Mm, comic mm, book. because Sorry, Paul, what what did you call it? The solo comic book? A tie mm. in, tie in. Oh, see, Paul, you've been tie, doing these tie. bad puns the whole show, and I was proud of you for that one. But it turns out it wasn't even. It wasn't even a pun. Didn't even didn't even realize it was. I do them so often, I don't even realize them anymore. When Lee Tan uh, is basically, he serves in the same training squad as Han Solo, and. Which I think we read the first issue of that Han Solo book, and I didn't dislike it, but I don't remember a lot of it, because it was kind of like the kind of goofier, what 
like Solo seems like it was supposed to be, like almost like pseudo comedy book. And let me tell you, I have completely turned around on Solo. I've watched it now, I think three times. And each time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. So does it feel like because more like a Star Wars every time you watch it? It it doesn't feel like so much like it feels Star Wars adjacent. It feels Star Battle. It's I guess it's a heist. It's a heist movie you within know what I mean? the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I I do mm-hmm. enjoy it, that movie. It has it has its faults, one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. But it's entertaining enough that I can look past those yeah. things. Um, and if it was just called like a Star Wars story and it wasn't Han Solo, I think it would be just better as like a heist movie within Star Wars universe. See, I, I'm i going to say if it had been that, we would be complaining. It's like, oh, if you're going to do a heist movie with these unknown characters, just use Han Solo and Lando. Like... We we would want more of them. Like I think it's kind of a catch. It's like a, it's a tough spot to be in when you're trying to. Was do it that double edged sword? It's a Terrace Kasi vibro mm. blade. I, I was doing it like this because I was going to say, I think Solo is actually Kate's favorite Star Wars movies. Okay, so. Not that she's an outsider because to Star she, Wars, because she's aware of it. She saw us battle with lightsabers <laughs> in a Target slash Regal yeah. Cinema parking lot. Oh, she hasn't been involved in those she, she lightsabers. She saw us doing vicious. force pushes and force jumps. Uh, but mm-hmm. what's her like frame of reference for Star Wars? Like, is she have a bunch of nerds running around a parking lot? Characters like. Yeah, a bunch of nerds running around a parking lot hitting themselves with light ups. Well, like if I show her like a random Star Wars meme about sand, is she gonna be like, haha, yes, Anakin. I get that reference. Oh yeah, because okay. yeah, because every time we're at the beach I make that reference. <laughs> it's such an it's easy harsh, reference to make. It's coarse and it gets everywhere. Everybody says it. Everybody so this- it. And yeah. Every time that we're walking like on the side of a road and I say we have to walk like sand people. She's single, single file. file. Okay. Had our numbers. She understands it. She she's lived with a deep Star Wars nerd for the past twenty odd years. Like like it's it's no joke. She she understands the references and the memes. Does she appreciate them? Probably not. <laughs> Does she actually want to watch, sit through and watch a Star Wars? Not without her feet getting rubbed, and not without falling asleep before the trash compactor scene. Like, but uh, you know, she's played Star Wars Risk with me. I'm going to have her play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Star, Assault Star Wars Risk birthday. is not. I mean, it's just Risk. No, uh, the new one. Is there a better one? The new one. Is it? Yeah. Is it better Star Wars? It is actually pretty. It is. It's. It. it Star, the new stars, the newer Star Wars Risk that came out, I don't know how long ago, maybe five years ago, but five years could be fifteen, because you know, yeah, as long as it happened in two thousand, doesn't matter what you say after. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, no, it, you have all three battles going on. You, you have the Luke versus Vader battle going on. You have the, uh, the shield generator going up battle going on, and also the battle up with the Death Star itself. Blowing, you know, firing its laser and blowing up ships, and it's it's actually pretty fun. And uh, 
Kate's like, and Kate went to the void and played the void Star Wars thing with me. Uh, so she knows when she sees Vader, she will take her shot at Vader. She's not throwing away her shot. But she was throwing she away her shot some. because you couldn't shoot uh, Vader. Yeah, no, because, well, you could. You gotta try. He just deflected them all. He just blocked it, deflected it, and was hitting me with those shots. And I'm like, yeah, so stop shooting him because so you're she was just throwing away her shot at you. <laughs> yep. But, you know, so she, she knows she's in the. In, uh, the the zeitgeist of uh, Star Wars, but yeah, no, she. I think she enjoys the solo movie because it is a lot of fun. It is a heist movie. It doesn't get bogged down with all the other kind of Star Wars essness of it. Yeah, I, like everything you need to know about that world is told to you. In that I wouldn't. Movie. I wouldn't mind a sequel to that movie. No, I, I mean, we'll get one eventually with the Lando show, hopefully. I mean, we'll see what it winds yeah. up being. Um, I'm more back, I'm so back, excited for Acolyte. Back to the main topic at hand. To you guys, does this feel like a Star War? Because that, that's the big question I've learned we have to ask when we... Oh, that's the pinnacle question. And if you don't about know what we're Star talking Wars about, you should material. listen to the last episode of Word Books with Friends, where we talk about the High Republic, Light of the Jedi. No. Part one. Also written by Charles Soule. Like, yes, yes and no. Yes, it hits on Star Wars elements. But it, I, I just wanted a more expanded version of all their stories. They all just were so quick. And, mm-hmm. like, if the entire series was them what issue two was if the entire series was that of taking everything back escaping all of that i would have really really liked this book and i would have been like hey let's see what happens in the second volume and if the second volume was the fight where those characters died and you got these new recruits and then it was the end of the empire and like oh what are we going to do after this like it probably would have had a lot more weight because I would have been able to spend more time with those characters where their deaths meant a lot more than what we got. So, yes, it is Star Wars. But is it a good Star Wars book? It's a mediocre Star Wars book. And we've read worse Star Wars books this yeah. is definitely better, but if I if we had just read issue one, I probably wouldn't have read issue two. And if we weren't reading this entire trade, I wouldn't, after finishing two, I probably wouldn't have read issue three. Paul, is it a Star Wars? It is a Star Wars. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Star Wars video games. You know, X-Wing. Paul, you just got X-Wing, off because of how uh, great they talk TIE Fighter. wings in this book. I did note it. I had that moment where like, the A-Wing is chasing him down. Like, and then afterwards, like, oh, this is so fast. And I was like, Paul's <laughs> loving this moment. I'm loving it. I love that moment. You know why? Because they were in TIE Interceptors. And they were complaining about how fast the A-Wing was. 
Oh, does that just rock my uh, guided boner missile? Uh, so, yeah, this is Star Wars. Man. Like, as a fan of that video game series of being those pilots, like, if you're playing Star Wars Squadron or if you have played Star Wars Squadron and you kind of want a side story of what, you know, I, I think this is worth the time, worth the read. Especially with it being so old. You can pick it up on sale. Like, it's an easy read. Uh, I think it did a great job of humanizing the Empire side. Like, Galen, uh, not Galen, but uh, Ganem's uh, story, where it's his grandmother being like, hey, you're going to be the seventh generation pilot for the Republic. And he's like, it's the Emperor now, Empire now, Grandma. And he's, she's like, it doesn't, it's still the people. We're still fighting for the people and the planets, and we're keeping them safe. No matter what they call it, Empire, Republic, doesn't matter. Uh, you, you can, I think you can really like kind of emphasize and not feel like such a dipshit asshole if you ended up fighting for the Empire. Which, knowing who I am, I would have probably gone with the flow and been that's like, like, "That's what yeah, you do." This like, is, this is this is it. This is I mean, this is where we live in. We we I, do this right. Fl- like, flashback. I'm to trying to keep the hope. peace. Like Luke want, wanted to go to the academy to train with his friends and. That's just what you do. And, like, we do get glimpses of those academy-trained pilots with the cadets that join the squadron. Uh, it just so happens that Luke's buddies fell into the rebellion. Like, that could have been a very different story if Biggs Darklighter had just been like, nah, like, whatever. Oh, they're going to pay pay for my tuition? Okay, like, Empire no. all the way. Well, even in the one back I agree, in that I one think- backup story, it was like... Those are academy trained pilots. Like, really? It's like, yeah, you couldn't tell. Like, well, and that's what they like. This does feel like a Star Wars to me. Um, and I like that kind of misdirect because you get that moment where you feel like, oh yes, the rebels have captured the Star Destroyer. They're flying into an ambush, but it turns out, no, it's just another Imperial admiral that's kind of staked his claim as like no, we're not going to die for the Empire. Like, why would we die for somebody else? Like, this is all about us and kind of taking our piece of what we've earned fighting this war. And then you just kind of see that line drawn in the sand between the Imperials that sided with the Admiral over this mining colony and the ones that are like, no, like, we, we still fight for the Empire. We got your back. And I like those moments. I just wish there had been more of room for that to breathe in there. And I feel like what really would have helped this book for me would be having one like focal character that I'm following along through everything instead of like this ensemble, like give me someone that I can work with. Give me Gallum, whatever the guy who's like kind of in that in between spot. Like, well, I'm working for the empire, but the Empire is still technically the Republic because it's for the people by the people. Like, give me him as that viewpoint character and give me these other characters through his eyes. I oh, think I imagine it with Zen turning rebel, yeah, like, like during it and him being like caught between, like, and maybe he kind of goes rebel and the story about them like trying <laughs> to become rebels, like, but still work as TIE fighter pilots. I, yeah, I think that's the was, same story, but it becomes a little bit more interesting because you're not 
jumping to four or five pages of someone like, wait, who is this again? Let me go back to the intro page. Oh, it's a character whose name looks like it was picked out of a Scrabble bag. Like, because even like looking back at, I'm like Zin Baraji, like, Oh, who, I don't remember who that is even like, Oh, it's the dude with like the tattoos on his head. Oh, he has a brother. Okay. Well, even like the, the blonde chick who, once they're done with their mission, just goes and is at target practice shooting her gun. And then when it's like, oh, they're captured, it's like, all right, do your thing. And then she, like, takes her boot off and has a big knife. And she's like, sorry, I don't have enough weapons for everybody. It would have been more interesting if, like, that character was like, oh, we just got done doing this. I'm going to go fly simulations. And then, you know, like, she's the person who just wants to be the best pilot like Mm -hmm. there's lots of things they could have done to make this book better i don't hate that i read this book like i I, okay thank goodness because there's been a lot of those paul picks but here's the thing if paul picked up volume two and like didn't submit it to read or anything and like it was just sitting on Mm -hmm. his like stack of shame and i saw that i'd be like oh like i got the afternoon free i I would read volume two, but it's not going to be something I chase. I looked to see if there was more issues. And then I was like, are you kidding me? There's like, you ended on that cliff note, like you, on that cliffhanger. And it was like, like, so is that where the, the game picks up? Like, are we supposed to be playing? No, no, it's not the game. It's the, the book series, alpha squad, alphabet squadron picks up. And there's three books of Alphabet Squadron. And it's the Rebels. Uh, Quell was the uh, one woman pilot that they talked to. That The blonde that they sh- they have like that in between the books, right? The short yeah, hair. Yeah, and then they, they have that block. cover thing in yeah. between. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. She, she, yeah. And the so first I book is all about when them. I did read this, okay. I was going through guided views. So I didn't see all of those covers and stuff until the very end of it. It gives them to you almost as pinups, and I was like, "Wait, who are all of these characters? Like, who's who's the like the U ship pilot? Like, who are you?" Maybe this book would have been better served had I read those books. And and you know, to be fair to the book itself, it when I picked up issue one, it said, "Hey, picking up with the crossover from Del Rey Publishing." From you know Alphabet Squadron and you know Tie Fighter, you know following the epic adventure of Shadowwing, and the whole point of Alphabet Squadron is they're hunting down the remnants of Shadowwing, like because Shadowwing is still like they're picking off the rebellion left and right. You know that would better book. That would have been a good story too. <laughs> but like, so not having read that, but then having read like the other side of the Star Wars publishing stuff with the High Republic and the High Republic comic book. Mm -hmm. I feel like both of those, they do take place at separate times, but they both, they Star War. Like they both stand Mm -hmm. well enough on their own. Like if I hadn't read Light of the Jedi, I can still read the High Republic comic and know enough of the story and like these allusions to the other like publishing stuff. It's like, okay, like this makes sense. If I had just read the novel and not read the comic like again that's still a standalone story enough like it doesn't draw too much from anything 
I, I think that's kind of a disservice to this book, though, because it's an interesting enough premise on its own that I'm, if I was a fan of the book, maybe I'd like that this ties into that. But being that semi-lapsed Star Wars reader, I mean, I'm always going to be a Star Wars fan, not consuming every bit of stuff that they put out there, it, it kind of hurts this. Because I, as a standalone, this probably would have been been better if they had just let it breathe. Yeah, I I can completely agree with that. Like, I think you both have been saying, like, hey, the story would have been better if we got more story instead of just, like, here's this mission, here's this mission, here's this mission, done. <laughs> like, ugh. The bones are good. Like, this book has the bones that just need to be built off of. And do you praise something for the promise of what it could become, or do you fault it for its failures to to do that? And I, I'm kind of leaning more towards the praise on this side than the fault. And I I am pr- I'm probably leaning a little more towards the fault because this book could have been really, really good. You guys it, you spent good money on this story. And if it feels just like a backup to another story, yeah, you, I, you can feel cheated. And that's fine. I went in and I bought this book knowing that it was a backup. And so I don't feel as cheated as I guess as you two do. Not cheated, but... But the same thing with... You know, like disappointed the, in um, The Star Wars um, Knights of the Old Republic. We read that first issue, mm-hmm. it was a good introductory to that character, but by the end, and when we reviewed that and we talked about it, you were like, this is following everything that happened in this novel. And we were like, oh, okay, that makes sense, but it still was a good story and a good introduction to these characters, where mm-hmm. this wasn't, like, it... it 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 wasn't that and yeah. like what you said like oh the books are about actually chasing down these characters because they're still fucking shit up like that's cool other than the other characters in this book saying how good they are you don't really get to see how good they are because it's like a comic book and you're like voo, voo, voo. you know you just see the ships moving and things blowing up but John, they blew up those A-wings. <laughs> and those A-wings, one, super fast ships, and two, were imperially academy trained pilots. And see, that's the kind so of... So they are pretty darn awesome. And that just... Sorry. Because they were in A-wings. You, you brought it back because that's the kind of thing, like, I want more of them wrestling with the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, these people, they were probably your classmates. And they're on this side now, yeah. like... Focus on that cost of of your choice. Like, yeah. what are the consequences of being like, no, like, this is the Empire. Because, again, we know they're the bad guys. We have 40 years of storytelling up until, like, last year that show. I was like, yes, Empire bad. Like, make me care about these characters and show me how they either learn that or they justify and come to grips with the fact that like, no, like this isn't the the right way to go. 
you just want that scene from who is the comedy troupe that's like, are we the baddies? The, oh, the, like, uh, think of the, yeah. uh, the allies. I Look can at see they're, like they're, the thumbnail on Netflix in my brain, but I'm blanking on it. They're, uh, you know, they got a, bull, a target and the other guy's an eagle. Well, we got an eagle. Yeah, sitting on a skull. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of. I can't think of. Uh, e- I can't think of that name of that show. Yeah. There's nothing evil about a lightning bolt. Uh, nothing good about a lightning bolt either. Um. <laughs> again, again, didn't hate it. I know it came off very negative up at the front, but my negativity is just drawn off the fact that it's like the, the bones are there. Like you, you express the interest in what I want this book to be about, and then. You cut to some other pilot who I couldn't remember their name talking to some officer whose name I also couldn't remember about something else. That's like, oh, like this could be interesting. Oh, now you're abandoning that too. Okay. But here's the thing. Would you recommend this book to somebody, a Star Wars fan, or would you recommend it to someone who's just, oh, I played the, what's that, the pilot game? Battlefront? Squadrons. Squ- would you Star recommend Wars this? If somebody, pl- I would recommend it to somebody that has been playing and loving Star Wars Squadrons, just because it's it's a good way to empathize with that being the baddie, <laughs> because you, you got a feel for Gainum uh, a little bit, like and also Zinn, and you'd really hope that because in Star Wars Squadron. The first part of the video game, spoilers, is you're playing as a person that defects mm. to the rebellion. So, see, I'll, or also, you're playing. That's you know. a, a good story. Like, mm-hmm. that's interesting. And I like. I can understand that the writer is tied to tell the story of these characters either between books or leading into the book and these are mm-hmm. and leading it's, into but it's the book still like it just feels like they could have done done more they could have done more and i probably wouldn't recommend i i got a guy at work that i talk to star wars all about like he's always like countdown for bad batch countdown for this he's been buying he bought light, you know. He just bought these really cool lightsabers, and then he's, I don't know which company. <laughs> I don't remember. But there's all oh. these people who are making their own kyber crystals, and he mm-hmm. work in like the the Disney lightsabers and all that. And he's been yeah. buying up a bunch of those, and he's like bringing them. And he's like, "Hey, look at this one." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And he's like, "Yeah, it's the Leia one. Like, if you put it in this way, it's a white a white saber, and you turn it this way, it's purple." Like. Mm-hmm. He's been buying these up, and I talked to him. I would not recommend, like, I wouldn't recommend this book to him. But I would recommend, like, the book, the the Star Wars series with Leia and Luke when they were pilots and they had to find, like, a new base. Like, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I might recommend the actual book about <laughs> this team on the hunt being hunted so, because that sounds c- 
cooler than what this book was. Like just hype. Well, you're not. The, no, following no, you're following them, the team. Yeah, you're, you're following, following the team that's the trying to hunt them down. Like it's kind of cool. So hypothetical though, like you go into work tomorrow, and he's like, "Man, I was thinking about it yesterday, and Imperial pilots are just like the coolest dudes ever." Do you say like, "Oh, hey"? There's this book. Check it out. Or you say like, oh, there's this book about that, but don't don't. Bother. I would say like, did something fall on your head? <laughs> Dude, tie yeah, they're, they're cool. cool. I'm sorry, they're, they, they are, are cool. cool. I I will say I did have a moment. They're a little death ball. When, I had a moment when I was forks. reading this book. That made because again, right at the front, you're seeing all these different pilots. So it made me Google like how many Thai pilots are clones. Because I was like, oh, like all these people are different. When did they start pulling more from the academy, like trainees versus the pilots? And like I fell down like a Wikipedia like rabbit hole that was kind of like, oh, like that's that's interesting. I had the same thought. But I also, but like, I followed that up with, well, Han was trained and Luke was trying to go there and Biggs. And I was like, listed like these people. I was like, so they were bringing in people to be pilots. They weren't just no name people. They were trying to bring in pilots. But again, like, as those. That's like 16, 17 characters. And at that point, point. we kind of see it where they're just like, oh, we're pulling cadets now. Like, you haven't even finished your training. Like, that's fine. Like, well, don't you care about that I was number one? They're like, no, just shut up and get in the cockpit. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, my, you know, my ship's not as fast as you. Yeah, you should figure it out. Like, a good, a good pilot would just keep up. (laughs) Like, I, it, it had good, there was good stuff to it. If you were a Star Wars completist, I'd say, yeah, you should read it. If, like you said, if somebody was like, "Oh, I've been playing, I've been playing the the video game, and I kind of like this pilot stuff," I'd be like, "Hey, you could check this out because it's a tie into this book series. I think the book series might be more interesting than what this book is, but I would recommend it that way." Hands uh, right now because it's it's Star Wars week coming up to you know five four. May the fourth, may the fourth be with you. It's three dollars for the trade. Oh, three bucks! Like I, there's, there's no downside to reading it. Like I didn't I'm walk just, out of this I'm, book with like a bad taste in my mouth or anything. Like I'm not swearing off on comicsology. I'm sorry, you know, yeah. on comicsology. I, I we talk enough about there. that we read our books in comicsology, but I, I'm yeah. not swearing off Star Wars comics after having read this. Like and. Thanks for bringing that up because I'm probably going to go back onto Comicsology now and round out my actual Star Wars comic collection because I know there's a bunch of trades that I have on my wish list that I just haven't picked up yet. So I I do have to say I I looked for follow up issues and a follow up trade to this book because it did leave me wanting more, but the book itself left me wanting more out of it because I think it could have been better. And there's a book series. <laughs> hey, I'm not. I'm oh, not we on read word more. books with friends, so I don't read books. <laughs> Just like you don't watch you, movies, Paul. You can. <laughs> yeah, but I don't watch movies because I'm not on 
movie fix. I don't watch movies because I don't watch movies. Therefore, I'm not on movie fix. You see the cycle. <laughs> but hey, hopefully you're a fan of all of those things. And you love all of those podcasts that we do. And let us know if you do by rating and reviewing us on your podcatcher of choice. Email us over at baggingboardcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the social medias. Comment there on any of our posts about this show. And let us know if there's any Star Wars comics or other publishing things that we've missed out on. Because there's a lot of them. <laughs>